artists want to know exactly who their fans are. They want to reach them. They don't want to be told you have 500 fans in this city or you have 10,000 followers. They want to know who they are. They want to be able to send the message to them at least. Um, and I know that they are working on a way of right now, they've started to show this in the Amazon Music for Artists app, but showing you how many super fans you have and moving forward from that, a way that you should be able to identify and message and speak directly with them and guide them to a way that they can get a meet and greet at your next show or they can have a direct conversation. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Foxtails. My name is Ivo and I'm happy to be with you for the next hour and a bit more. I'm really excited because uh, next with me I'll have Mike Warner who is Director of Artist, Label and Dispute Relations at Chartmetric, which is one of my favorite actually music data analytics tool, something we as a label are using a lot. We're going to talk about the state of streaming platforms uh, in 2022. Mike is one of the most knowledgeable people um, in the field. He's someone I've been learning from for years now. So I'm very excited to pick his brain on some of the topics um, which concern yeah, the major streaming platforms this year. Uh, thanks for your time. Before I continue with our conversation, first of all, apologies because I'm actually recording the podcast on the second worst day of my COVID. Um, another fun fact, we are recording the podcast live in our Discord server, so there's also chat audience. You might figure this out in the conversation. Of course, if you like the podcast, you can give us thumbs up, rate, or share with friends. You can follow us at WeAreStereoFox on Twitter and Instagram, or you can join our Discord. And now it's time for my chat with Mike Warner. <laughs> okay, Mike, welcome <laughs> for the second time. So my question was, what kind of music are you DJing when you when you DJ? Yeah, so, um, and you mentioned that you were stalking me before this. Yes. So I did a DJ set on LinkedIn, which I know sounds really weird. Um, but quick background on that. The reason for me doing a DJ set on LinkedIn was that I've been trying to encourage more artists to spend more time on LinkedIn, pay more attention realized that it's a great platform for networking in addition to other platforms like this, of course. Um, and I'd been telling artists, you know, you could go live on there and you've got music supervisors, you've got A&Rs, there's a lot of people, no one's done this yet and artists weren't doing it. So I just went, you know what? I'll do it first then. I'll show you how it's done. I'll show you how easy it is. And I went live on LinkedIn and did a DJ set. Um, as for the music I like to play, it's a lot of re-edits and um, bootlegs, remixes, recuts, whatever you would like to call it, of classic songs, especially 70s and 80s, funk and soul. Um, just beautiful vocals, funky bass lines and grooves uh, in a way that you can play it in a setting that will get people up and dancing as well. So that's been super fun for me. And then if I'm playing in a club, it's just straight up vocal house music as well. Okay, so if you ever make it to Europe, I will, I will attend your performance because I love this kind of music when I'm out. And uh, I see we're starting with the uh, like knowledge dropping and I'm just going to say LinkedIn is the best. And since we started using LinkedIn for StereoFox, it has been a game changer. 
And I also agree with you that most artists think it's about professional kind of interaction. But I've met like really, let's say, important industry people uh, on LinkedIn and they're super responsive on there. Well, that's how we connected. Uh, well, we connected before that as well, but that's how we've stayed in touch and we actually made this happen today. Yeah. So tip number one, use LinkedIn. Uh, before we <laughs> before we dive into the actual streaming platforms, uh, maybe you can say a bit about yourself and what you're doing uh, at Chartmetric. Uh, that's your, I guess, day job, so to say. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, one of the many hats I wear. Um, so with Chartmetric, I'm the director of artist label and DSP relations. Basically, I talk to pretty much everyone at some point when they're using Chartmetric, whether it's an artist that's wanting to track their debut release or whether it's a music supervisor looking to place a song in an upcoming film. I... I love it because I get to be friends with everyone and I get to speak with everyone. So it's a really nice tie-in with what I do outside of Chartmetric as well. You've been there for, for a long time? Yes, I've been there for six years. Okay. Uh, we, we use Chartmetric it's, uh, as we speak with the team. Uh, it's kind of like the tool that has to be open 24-7 in your tab. And I love the features. Um, of course, we, we're using the free version and I would say... Uh, you still get quite a lot of value out of it and there's a lot of like data you can track. Uh, what are some of the most important paid features in your opinion that artists and labels are using or chart on Chartmetric? Yeah, I, I mean, it's different for each person, but I'd say the most popular features across the board would be the automated reporting, uh, which can be sent directly to the, your email address being able to export the data so that you can actually take it offline and use it in your own spreadsheets. And a lot of people are really heavily focused on activity on platforms like TikTok right now. So even if you don't have a TikTok profile yourself, if you've distributed your music to TikTok, seeing how many videos it's been, in, it's been used in, and being able to click and directly see those videos and see the engagement that it's gotten is extremely helpful. Do you, do you, cause that's a question I get a lot and I don't have an answer. Probably there isn't, but what should, what should artists do who don't want to use TikTok, but still want to have some chances on increasing their success there. I actually know artists who's, uh, we have one artist on the label, Charlie. He's not using TikTok, but his track blew up and he got like 2 million streams from that. Is there anything artists can do to prom still promote their music without being on TikTok actively? Yeah, so there's two sides to TikTok. Obviously, if you don't create an account and you don't want to download the app, that's, that's your choice. Um, I suggest at least just once, download the app, claim your username on there so no one else can take it and just watch a few videos to get an idea of how it works. Then you can delete the app if you want and at least no one can steal your username. The other side is if you're working with a distributor to put your music out into all of the online stores and streaming platforms, you can distribute it to TikTok. And what happens then is it's 
distributed as what they refer to as a sound, which basically means it's the official audio of that song from you and people can use that in their post. Now, getting people to use this isn't actually that challenging. Um, obviously, there's a number of different ways. One of them is looking at a similar artist who has had success on TikTok there's platforms like Chartmetric or just simply go to TikTok and find songs from other artists. You can actually search for songs on TikTok in the, in the search menu and look at who's been creating videos using those songs and see if you can DM them and just let them know about your song. Um, there are paid versions as well. There's sites like Playlist mm -hmm. Push that will do it and they'll do basically, they will pay the TikTok creators to create videos based on something that you've specified. So you could actually write something down and say, okay, this is the song that you have to use. This is the challenge. This is the hashtag that you have to use. This is what we need to see in the video. And then they will only get paid if they actually create that based on the specs. Mm -hmm. And that's another way to get things started on TikTok and get more people actually going out and creating videos using your song as well. And then of course that can lead to something more organic moving forward. If you have 20 to 30 people create a video within a 24 hour time frame, and it reaches enough viewers and likes and comments, more people will see that and decide to recreate that video. And of course use the same music, which is yours. Yeah. Do you, do you know if, um, because I know in the cases of there is like a spillover effect. So people uh, see the views on TikTok and then go straight on food track. Do you know if TikTok is actually paying out um, any sort of licensing fee for the music or? Yes. So, um, and most distributors, I, I know DistroKid will actually show this just as one example. If you go into the bank screen and you look at, I, there's a button there. I believe it says show excruciating detail. It will show you what you're getting paid uh, per view on TikTok. And of course, it's a small amount. But that being said, um, it's still an amount and it can lead to people then going and streaming your music on other platforms in full. And it can lead to them following you on socials, buying your merchandise, etc. Do, um, do you use actually TikTok as a, let's say, out of the industry, like as a just an everyday person? Like, are you a fan of the platform or you have more like professional interest in it so to say i tend to look at tiktok without letting people know that i'm on there <laughs> um so i have i do have a tiktok profile at ask mike warner because i claim my social handle everywhere i posted a few videos to get a feel for it i posted some goofy funny ones i posted some helpful ones just to see how it works um but yeah i actually use TikTok in my web browser instead because I like to be able to do it during the day at my computer. And it's part of my job with Chartmetric mm -hmm. to make sure that TikTok links are all matched correctly. So I tend to see a lot of that content during a work day and I don't need to be looking at TikTok <laughs> outside of work. Enough hours. is enough. Um, exactly. But I, I, I use it in my web browser in Google Chrome. Uh, all of the videos and the pages you can actually watch without even being logged in, which is nice. So you can just have an incognito browser window and you can search for your audio on TikTok, get the link. 
go directly to that page and see how many videos have been mm -hmm. created and actually watch all of the public videos once again without even being logged in. Okay, I need to do that. We have a Sterefox account. I used it a bit. Then I got a bit addicted and I stopped. Uh, and we need to get back to it as a label, <laughs> but there is so much stuff to do during the day that it's just always on the back of my, my mind. But um, I'm going to uh, kind of give a pro tip or actually two, two pro tips in one. So for all the artists who don't have LinkedIn, uh, first you should make LinkedIn as it turns out. Second uh, thing is the you already have one pretty cool reason to make LinkedIn because Mike has an amazing newsletter uh, called uh, Music Tips, I think, on LinkedIn. I follow this newsletter for a long time and that's how I usually stand up to, up to date with all the news if I don't have time. Which brings me to my point, finally. Uh, in the last news newsletter you shared, you spoke about a new distribution service by TikTok. Can you elaborate more on that? And what's the goal? When it's happening? Why should artists care? Yeah, sure. So just to be clear, um, most distributors can put your music on TikTok already anyway. So you don't need to go and sign up directly with this new, pro this new um, distributor to get your music on TikTok. Whoever you're using now should be able to help with that. Um, but the reason that some people are excited about this is because it means there's more competition out there, which is always good. Uh, but the distributor is called Sound On, uh, basically as one word instead of two. And essentially, it's another way that you can distribute your music to all platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, etc., and TikTok and their music streaming platform they have called Rezo, R-E-S-S-O, which is not available in all countries around the world yet. Um, but the reason some people are excited is that there will be opportunities for some artists that distribute using SoundOn to get extra help with getting their music pushed to more creators on TikTok, which could lead to more videos being created uh, which could lead to a lot more views, which could lead to a way to sort of amplify the growth for the artist through TikTok. So obviously they, they can't offer that to everyone that is distributing with them, but it's a nice incentive. And for some artists out there, that could be a way to actually have your music featured more heavily on TikTok without having to be posting content on there yourself. Do you... Do you think that's going to change the game uh, in terms of, let's say, artists trying to starting to make snippets or shorter songs? Like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's regardless of them, them having a distribution platform. But why, why, why shouldn't I make 30 seconds super dope short clips that are that blow on TikTok and then I get millions of views and streams and, and revenue out of this? Isn't that doesn't this make sense or? Yeah, look, I mean, the thing is that you don't, you can't really control that. That's not always going to be the case. Um, you know, putting out entertaining content is always a good thing to do, but there's definitely no guarantee and you can't bank on that making you an overnight success or making you a lot of money or getting you a lot of streams. Um and, you know, that's kind of the same with this. Even TikTok launching their own music distribution service 
they're not guaranteeing that. They're just saying that for some artists, mm-hmm. we will reach out, work more closely with them. Um, so, you know, I look at it as it's it's another option out there compared okay. to the likes of CD Baby, DistroKid, TuneCore, etc. Yeah, the, the mass range sort of distributors. Um, I'm going to steer away from TikTok. It actually wasn't even on the on the plan, in my head at least, but that's the beauty of, uh, of these discussions. I always forget like about TikTok when it comes to streaming platforms, but let's uh i wanted to do one one kind of new feature you're excited for each of the platforms so you can pick whichever you want to start with yeah um it's it's pretty crazy how much has actually happened in this time and all of the new things that they've received um amazon comes to mind because amazon has a very strong focus on voice so Actually, just to back it up mm-hmm. a tiny bit. So both Amazon and Apple have what's called voice-only plans now. And what that means is that it will cost you less per month for the subscription, but you won't be able to download the app and look at the app and actually type anything into it. So basically, you have a smart speaker or you have your headphones with your voice assistant in them. And the only way that you can request music is using your voice. So what that means is that if people don't know how to pronounce your artist name, they're never going to be able to request you if they're on that subscription, uh, which is why pronunciation is so important. But that, that rules out a lot of people. Exactly. Actually. Yeah. So with distributors now, when you're distributing your music, there is an option that they're starting to provide, which is record the pronunciation for your artist name and this track name so that we can get it right so that people can actually request it. Um, and the other thing with this whole direction we're going with voice, getting back to Amazon, is that they're actually leaning towards artists being able to record messages directly for their fans and have these messages play uh, before or after a song or an album plays as well. So artists are getting the opportunity to do this and they can encourage people to follow them, which using your voice is very easy to follow an artist. Now Um, you can just say, while a song is playing, you can just say, Hey, voice assistant, follow this artist and they'll follow that artist while the song is playing. Um, And with these voice messages, there'll also be the opportunity to sell merchandise and things like that as well. I, I found an interesting figure recently from someone at a music streaming platform here in America, which was 40% of people that are playing chilled out playlists are actually requesting those using their voice, which means that almost one in two people are actually using their voice to make requests for what they would like to listen to now when it comes to chill music. So you really need to start thinking about, you know, we know what SEO looks like when it's in mm-hmm. written form, but keeping in mind when people say something verbally, they won't use the same words that they would type. So um, fortunately with my music, um, we we have a band called Date Night, which everyone <laughs> knows how to pronounce. Nice. When they say it on radio, they say it correctly. Uh, it's very easy to find our music. And that was before all of this had happened. 
Um, and then we make sure that all of our playlists are something that you would ask for as well. Like, um, you know, play music for a night out or play music for a dinner party, things like that. And, um, it's definitely making a difference. Yeah, that's pretty like this kind of music. You, you always wonder what to play. Like when I go out and at friend's house and they're like, okay, you're from Stereofox, play something for tonight. I'm like, uh, or I don't know what. So I, I, I think these kind of mood and situational playlists are becoming, are becoming super important. Um, as you say, I got super excited. Actually, Amazon is the one I missed funny, funny enough. Uh, I got really into them. I'd say like a few months ago when they finally enabled, well, they, when they enabled uh, pitching directly to editors, we wrote an article as well. And now I spend my time claiming and finally getting artists access. And it's been, I really like their pitching, um, the pitching process. I don't know what you think of it uh, as compared to, let's say Spotify. Yeah, look, I, I, would, I wouldn't compare the two directly. I would say it's, it's different enough. Um, one thing about so for anyone that isn't aware uh spotify have their own editorial pitch form in spotify for artists you can submit an upcoming release for editorial consideration amazon now have a similar form um but what i like is that there's additional things in amazon's form that none of the others have and one of them is tag three artists that sound very similar to this song and so you can actually say, hey, these are artists that sound similar. So when you're listening to us or when you're putting us into a radio station or playing endless listening mode where you're just delivering music to people, these are artists that we feel we are similar to that people would enjoy. So that's extremely helpful. Um, and then, of course, tagging all the instruments, the location of where the music would most resonate or where it was recorded. Um, if you make a song about New York City and you live in another country, you may want the song to be targeted to people that live in New York City. You can do that. Um, what's really interesting is that Amazon specifically say in this form, this is not just for playlist consideration. This is for radio programming consideration and other locations within Amazon Music where we could deliver your your song. So they feature songs on the homepage. They program their own radio stations, if you will, on there as well, based on other artists. Uh, they also have their own radio app now that they've started testing here, which is called AMP, A-M-P. And that is using... Um, there's a library of about 5 million songs right now and that's growing and people can host their own radio station. People can call in and they can use the power of Amazon Music essentially towards that radio station. So there's a lot of really good opportunities there by just filling out this form, making sure your music reaches the right listeners, making sure all the accurate information or metadata, if you will, is attached and that that song is traveling around through Amazon Music to the right listeners. And I'll be honest, everyone's so focused on playlists because that's what we see. I've seen artists with millions, tens of millions of streams from radio stations on these music streaming apps as opposed to being on a playlist. So, and stations are the ones that you will just end up on one day because you filled out these submission forms. 
So while everyone can see playlists and it's it's a cool flex, if you get on a radio station, just know that that's being delivered to people that are listening for hours and hours and your music is being potentially served to them in that station. Yeah, I guess same goes for Spotify's like sort of algorithmic playlists as well. But um, the one uh, I really also, just to take a step back, I also like the fact that they ask you for three artists that sound to you. Um, full transparency with us, as always. What I'm personally doing for our artists, if it fits, I'm looking into the playlist where we think we might fit uh, the, or specific track can fit. And I'm trying to see, is there any artists on that playlist that sounds similar to the artists we are about to pitch? Um, and I usually try to get at least one, if it makes sense. Like, as always with Spotify and, and also Amazon, never lie. Just, I, I, for sure, you know, like, you can confirm this, I guess. But the more honest and true the metadata is, the better. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, definitely. Because if you don't add that yourself, someone else is going to add that eventually for you. And not obviously in a bad way, but they're going to rely on a robot to tag your music for you. And for anyone that's ever gone and looked at various platforms and seen some really strange genres attached to their music, that's because they probably never filled out that submission form and input the genres themselves. And a robot has done the best it can to try and tag their music with the correct genres and got it very wrong. Um, yeah, I've seen I've seen children's artists described as Euro psychedelic trance music and they're shocked that it <laughs> happened. And I say, look, moving forward, you need to fill out those submission forms. Even if you're not getting playlist ads, you're still putting in all of this information that is traveling with your music so it reaches the right listeners. Is there is there something you you think Amazon can do better in terms of um let's say tooling for artists. Uh, I know they've changed a lot and I really appreciate it and I quite like it actually the portal. But if you can, if a product manager for Apple, for, um, from Amazon Music is listening, would you say that there's something they can improve? Uh, there's definitely things they can improve. I mean, I've had the opportunity to have a couple of discussions with people on the team there and um, basically what I said is a big pain point is that Artists want to know exactly who their fans are. They want to reach them. They don't want to be told you have 500 fans in this city or you have 10,000 followers. They want to know who they are. They want to be able to send the message to them at least. Um, and I know that they are working on a way of right now, they've started to show this in the Amazon Music for Artists app, but showing you how many super fans you have and moving forward from that, a way that you should be able to identify and message and speak directly with them and guide them to a way that they can get a meet and greet at your next show or they can have a direct conversation with you somehow. Um, I've actually given an example of another music streaming app to show how this could work. And that app is called Boomplay which is across Africa, it's a significantly large music streaming platform, but it has a social component included where on any artist track album or playlist page, anyone that's logged in can actually go and leave comments below. 
And not only that, but if it's on an artist page, the artist can see those people right back directly to them and their comments as well. So it's, um, you know, it kind of feels like a YouTube video, if you will, but in this case, within a music streaming mm -hmm. platform. And so it's pretty fun because I've actually seen artists post a new track and people are asking questions in the comments directly below that track. And um, you've just got this endless feed of conversation between the artists and their fans, which is really cool to see. This is, um, this is something I, I think it's, it's becoming more and more important. Um, I'm not going to talk about Web3 and NFTs today. Thank you. But uh, <laughs> I, I want to raise the direct... <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, the direct fan to 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 music, uh, to musician connection, which is essentially what Bandcamp has been doing for years. And I do you think the streaming platforms will eventually open up to that? I, I definitely think so. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone is opposed to change and adapting. And if they are they may not survive <laughs> you know it's um i you know i I'm, i appreciate you saying we're not getting into web3 and nft and the reason is i don't know enough about it yet so i sit back and i listen and i learn uh but i will never dismiss it the same way i won't dismiss anything that's coming that i see i will just simply create an account have a look understand enough that if people talk to me about it, I know what they're saying, but um, I'm definitely not trying to be the first with with everything. I, I'm sticking with music streaming for now and what artists can do on these platforms with the tools that they have. Um, but I'm excited to see what everyone does in this space. Um, and I definitely, I love seeing the success stories as well. There are quite a few. But I still think it's very far from um, mass adoption and mass success. And 5, 10, 20, 50 success stories, it's not enough yet to solve the issue uh, that a lot of people are voicing out about the payouts and being like making sustainable living as an artist. But that's a very, that's a, a conversation we can have another time, I think, because I have a lot to, to share in there. Uh, going back to streaming platforms. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, no, that's okay. I was just going to say, yeah, I, I can totally understand. I mean, the, the harsh reality is a lot of us won't make a full-time income from our music on streaming platforms alone. Um, by the time that happens, you're probably making $500,000 a year touring already. Um, and that income is just a nice bonus on top of that. Um, but what I've really enjoyed seeing is the way that in these last few years, artists have adapted um, to these changes. You know, touring is off the touring wasn't wasn't really an option for many artists, and um, I've seen artists realize that you know it's okay to ask your fans for help. It's okay to charge for something that your fans would enjoy. A lot of artists were hesitant to ever char um, charge money for, for something from their fans. And my argument was always, your fans love your music. If you make a t-shirt available, they're going to thank you for making that available and they'll happily pay that money. 
I, it's the same if you go live on Twitch or any of these platforms, your fans are happy that you're doing this. They're happy for this experience. If they can throw a few dollars at the screen, they will. Um, and so, and then there were artists that created online courses. There were artists that started sharing their other passions. You know, they could be a great painter. They could be, um, they could be handy with, uh, creating creating items whether it's with wood or other materials they they could be renovating their house um letting people into their world opened up all these other opportunities for them as well so i mean i i definitely don't want people to think that streaming is the be all and end all and that's where all of your income is going to come from it's one of those things where We'd all love to get paid more, but we still need to be on there and have our music available to our fans around the world. And I do sincerely hope that we will be in a position where we can start to get paid more per stream. There will be opportunities for fans and super fans to invest more money in their favorite artists as well um, so that artists will have a better chance at making a full-time living in the future. I hope as well, actually, um, which... Isn't, isn't that kind of related to... So Deezer has been doing this actually for a while, uh, the user-centric payment system, then SoundCloud started doing it. And the latest one that jumped on that is Tidal. Um, I'm not sure, I feel they're all very different, but the topic is always user-centric payment system. Do you have any insights on, has actually the paper stream changed for those three platforms since they adopted this model or? You know, it's it's really hard to say at the moment. I mean, I do like the idea that if someone has an account with a streaming platform, instead of that money going into one large bucket and then a large percentage of that going to artists that are already established, you know, instead they say, okay, you have uh, SoundCloud or Deezer or whoever you're you're using as a listener and you've listened to 10 artists this month, um, five songs from each of those, we're going to divide that money up evenly amongst those artists instead of just putting it into a giant bucket and then paying millions and millions of artists a tiny amount. Um, personally, I love that because, you know, there's an opportunity there that if you are someone's favorite artist and they listen to you more than anyone else, you will get... A significant amount of money as opposed to cents not even dollars you know so i and uh you know i i think it's it's worth a shot you know we we need we need to try these things and see if it does work i i i when you were speaking i finally remembered what was the difference with title and if i'm not mistaken what they do is they think take just a percentage of your subscription like 10 or 20 percent and that, and then you can appoint an artist, like you specifically. But I don't know how you do that, that because I've tried, but that's what I read on the on the press release. And then you all, it's kind of like manual set that okay, ten percent of my subscription or twenty percent go to, go to that artist. But how I'm not sure how you do it, and I'm still not sure how big title is in terms of um, like market share. In all fairness, like I know they are conventionally big, but. I assume quite far from the market share of Spotify and Apple Music for the time being. I think. Yeah, I I do like the idea of that. And, you know, it feels familiar to what Twitch have, where if you have an Amazon Prime account, 
you get a complimentary month subscription that you can use to subscribe to whatever channel you choose. So a lot of people were, a lot of artists were getting smart and I mean, in, and saying, hey, if you like what I'm doing on this channel and you have Amazon Prime, you actually have a month subscription that you can use to subscribe to any channel you want. And people were using that to subscribe to those artists and the artists were getting a few dollars from that each time. Um, and with Tidal, it's very much the same. You're paying for a subscription. A few dollars out of that subscription will go directly to your favorite artist, regardless of how many times you listen to them. And I, I think that's kind of cool. It's it's a nice feature. And not only that, but Tidal pay really well. So even if you only have 5,000 listeners on there, that could work out to the equivalent of 50 or 60,000 listeners on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the payout per stream is higher. We definitely see that, but uh, we're—I don't know—at least for us as a label, we're still yet to explore more. Um, we actually had some success there, so it's good. But uh, I think there is more to it. What, speaking of well, streaming platforms and Tidal, why do you think Tidal doesn't allow uh, the fact that user playlists are not searchable? I guess same goes for Apple, as opposed to Spotify and Deezer, where you can actually curate your own playlist and grow them. Why, do you think it's a conscious decision or just a feature that's not live yet? It's because they want it to be a more highly curated offering. Um, I can tell you with Amazon and a number of other platforms, the reason why is that a lot of people are requesting these playlists using their voice and they don't want other people to be able to take that phrase and deliver their playlist for all of those requests. Um, you could say that it's partially them wanting to have that control and direct people to their own playlists. But on the other side, it's also the last thing you want is a parent to say, hey, voice assistant, play the Moana soundtrack. And somebody's created a playlist called Moana soundtrack. And it has all this like heavy, explicit rock, hip hop, country music on there or whatever. And it's completely wrong <laughs> because people would get mad at Amazon for that. Um, so that would be one reason why I would say, um, and also I think the other reason is that they're just basically saying, look, if you create a playlist for yourself, that's cool. You can share the link with your friends, but we're, we're kind of, we have a large team here that are curating playlists, uh, for listeners that don't necessarily know exactly what they want to hear. So I can see arguments for both sides. I like curating playlists myself. Mm -hmm. I I do them in Apple Music and Pandora um, at this time. I still have playlists on other platforms, but that that's what I'm currently playing with. And I, I saw um, in the feed, Mike, show us your playlists. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I don't have a... The good thing about Apple is no one knows how many followers I have or don't have. Um, but... I'm I'm happy for everyone to see what I listen to on there and you know it's it's good fun and um there is a way I should mention and I know we're kind of jumping all over the place but with Apple Music there is a way that you can actually create playlists as the artist where when you share those and people click on that playlist at the very top, it will show that it's been created by the artist and people tap on the artist name and it goes directly to their profile in Apple Music as opposed to a user profile. Um, 
It is a little challenging. They haven't made it very easy, but I created a two minute video that shows how to do that on my YouTube channel as well. Awesome. I actually, I did not know that. Like we, we do curate on Apple music, but same, like we just share the link around and, uh, some, sometimes you get this push notification that somebody added your playlist to the library, but it's, um, not that, that many people. But I think uh, what I know for a fact is that a few people can get a curator status in Apple Music. Uh, Majestic Casual, one of them. I, I don't know about, I can't remember anyone else, but I think if Apple, if you know someone at Apple Music or you are kind of like a relatively big curator, you might get a, a curator st status. And then your playlists are actually searchable in, in Apple Music. Yeah, definitely. It's... um. There is, there is that, which as you mentioned, is the approved curators that will, or verified curators, if you will, that will show up in the browse sections in Apple. Um, and then there are these artist playlists, which show as curated by the artist. At this time, they don't really show in search results or on artist profiles, but you can share these links in Instagram story swipe ups in tweets on all social platforms and people can follow them, save them to their library. And then anytime they listen to that playlist, they can tap on your artist name up the top. So it's a, a good way to, um, you know, encourage your fans to follow that playlist and then you control that playlist, what goes in there as well. So and it looks much better than being curated as by a user because it's curated by the artist. So I'm mm -hmm. posting the link in here to the video right now. Do you do you think Apple are ever gonna create a direct pitch to editors form, or because it's these are uh, we actually have a podcast episode with a with a curator from Deezer, so they do have a public form. Title, I don't know as far as like I don't know. Uh, obviously Spotify, we all know, and now Amazon, we know. Do you know anything about Apple Music in, in that regard? So with Apple Music, the best way is whoever you're using as a distributor to distribute your music, Apple Music will have somebody that deals directly with that distributor internally. And so what that means is instead of pitching Apple Music, you should be pitching your distributor, whether it's DistroKid, CD Baby, whoever, and putting everything together, having a PDF document or a one sheet or a presser, whatever you will call it, having all of your plans in place. How are you going to promote this track? What are you doing? And then at that point, you would send that to your distributor and say, I have an upcoming release. This is the release date. This is everything that I'm going to do around this release. I would love to get you involved in this and see if you could help me with pitching this for editorial consideration to Apple Music. Now you need to be very careful with this because if you do this and your distributor doesn't necessarily like the song, they probably won't answer your emails in future. So you have to make sure that you've released a few tracks mm -hmm. You've got everything ready. You've got a plan in place and your distributor is just someone that will look at it and say, this song is awesome. Yes, we're going to take everything that you've provided to us and we're going to pitch it for editorial consideration at one of our meetings that we have. And so 
a lot of these distributors have meetings with the streaming platforms the same way that record labels do. The reason distributors don't tell you this is because they don't want every single person emailing them saying, here's my track, pitch it when you have your meeting. Um, especially some of these distributors have over 1 million artists. Just keep that in mind that you're going to get one shot with one track. So make sure that you have everything ready. You have one email and then you go ahead and you send at that time and and that's it. You definitely don't want to add them to your mailing list or send something that is not personalized. This is a big deal. This is the closest you are going to get without walking into Apple Music or somewhere else and having a sit down meeting with someone about your track. So look to your distributor, pitch to your distributor the same way you would if you were pitching directly to someone at Apple. And you'll find that your distributor, if they like the song and they like the plan you already had in place, they would be more likely to help you. And that would be your best bet. And it's not going to cost you any money. You don't need to pay a third party or anyone else to do that for you. I've heard about a lot of artists who got scammed, um, paying to people who, who know someone somewhere. And then, yeah, that never happens, man, to be completely honest, at least from the stories I've heard. And we're talking about some serious money. Let's put it this way. If you worked at, let's say you worked at Spotify as an editor, and I was telling people that I'm best friends with Evo, uh, and I can get your song on these playlists, it will cost you $5,000 or, or whatever. You know, this is all, all made up, of course. You imagine you would very quickly not be my friend anymore. You wouldn't be taking emails from me and you would probably be telling everyone else, don't take anything from Mike because he's charging people money to send us songs. Uh, so just avoid any of those services. And I, I'm sorry to jump in there. I just had to add that because it's just, it's, I don't ever want to see artists lose money and get scammed by these things. Yeah, I think recently there was a case with, uh, with one of Spotify's ex-editors, Satina. She shared a few screenshots of a guy saying, oh, I know I can get you fresh finds. And I think because she's the one who started fresh finds four years ago, she kind of went on explaining like, this guy's pretty much bullshit. Like, um, so that's why I remembered of this, uh, of this case. And as far as I know, talking directly to Spotify editors is kind of forbidden in their work code or ethics, what, whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah, I mean, look, let's be real. They, they do have friends. In, in the outside world and they are allowed to have friendships, but they can't be unfair. So, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you are their friend and, and you send them music that is good and they happen to hear it and they like it, that may help, but they also mm -hmm. aren't allowed to be biased. So they have, and they're wanting to discover new music as well. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I'm not a curator and the playlist that I shared in the chat before, I mean, there's probably two followers on there. I'm not looking to do anything more with that. It's just what I listen to personally and people are curious. Um, but if I was a curator, I would want to make sure that I was open to submissions from everyone and they went in a queue and I listened to them in the order that they were sent to me. Um, 
you know, and, and that's what I, I hope that we can eventually see moving forward. Um, one thing that we can all do to help the editors is fill out these submission forms accurately because that way they're actually getting more relevant music delivered to them and they're not having to spend additional hours listening to music that does not fit. You know, if you have a song that's not pop, don't say it's pop just to try and get it in front of the New Music Friday editor. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not necessarily going to help. Um, so just, yeah, there's little things we can do that, that can actually help them as well. Because we're like on Spotify, <laughs> finally. Do you have any tips on honestly increasing your chances of being picked up, especially as an up-and-coming artist who doesn't have, a, let's say, previous track records? Um, means you haven't been before an editorial okay of course the submission forum but anything you think it's important to say like about I don't know how much time before or is there something that's really important to add in the pitches I don't know just whatever you want to share yeah um, I mean aside from filling out that form I, I guess I do want to mention that if you haven't released a song before and your first release is coming out soon, your debut song, your, your first ever release, you can still ask your distributor for access to Apple Music for Artists, Amazon for Artists, Spotify for Artists, and actually get access to your artist profile before that first song is released. They can do that for you. Um, and that will also mean that you will get access to these pitch forms for your first release. This is extremely important because the first 1,000 listeners that will ever listen to your music will start to determine where your music is served after that. So if you make if you make lo-fi chill beats and you have friends that listen to country music all day, don't tell them to listen to your music when you first release it. You need it. You need to be very careful about who is actually listening because you want to make sure that after that your music is served to the right people. Um, as for other things that you can do with your releases besides filling out these forms, blogs are still extremely important. There's been a number of interviews with editors from these music streaming platforms where they've openly said that they go on SoundCloud to hear upcoming music, they read blogs, they look at Hype Machine because that will gather up um data from hundreds of blogs and tell them what songs are getting talked about a lot on blogs. And of course, as we know, blogs can actually talk about a song before it's released on these platforms. And most commonly, I've seen songs that get a lot of blog features end up on one of the many Fresh Finds playlists on Spotify. So originally there was one Fresh Finds playlist. Now there's about 30 different Fresh Finds playlists for different genres. Um, so blogs are still very important as well. And then, you know, TikTok is a good one because if you start to get traction on there, what can happen is anyone that uses your song in a video on TikTok a lot of them will give you the option to press and hold on that video and save it. And then you can go and upload that on other platforms. And so now you've got content that someone else has created for you with your new song in it that you can post in an Instagram story. And I've seen people do this and basically on release day, they would just say anyone that creates a TikTok that we like, we're going to save it and they'll share it to their Instagram story. 
and they've got all of these cool videos, unique, funny, entertaining with their song in there. And at the same time, that song is getting stuck in people's heads. They're getting hooked on that. It's becoming familiar. And then they go and listen to it after that. Uh, you know, I could obviously go all day about this. Um, but yeah, there's just a, a lot of things that people can do. It all depends on what you're more comfortable with, whether you're the one that wants to create the content or whether you have people that are using your song in, in content on TikTok that you can save and post on other platforms as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, I'm sure we can talk about these topics forever. Like what, what I'm trying to, and we both of us are trying to navigate through the different streaming platforms and talk a bit about all of them. And of course, I personally think each of them deserves like a proper episode because there's so much features and, and stuff you can do. Um, but if you can give an advice to artists and label manager or label people or anyone in the industry, um, especially those who are just starting, it's a bit overwhelming how much information there is. How, how do you think they can stay up to date without stressing about the insane amount of information out there. Like any podcast you follow besides your newsletter, obviously, or how, how would someone who is just starting in the industry um, kind of get their feet, weight, feet wet with the content and uh, learning about this stuff? Yeah. Um, it all depends on how you like to learn. If it's podcasts, uh, some podcasts that I listen to aside from my own <laughs> is Music Biz Weekly Podcast, um, B-I-Z instead of business, Music Biz Weekly Podcast. Every Friday they do a full summary of what has happened in the music industry that week. And I like it because they break it down in really simple terms. Um, there is another one that is the media excuse me, the Media Industry Guru podcast. And that's a relatively new podcast this year, um, hosted by a very smart person called Forbes West, F-O-R-B-S West. And each episode is an interview, but it's kind of like what we did today. It's let's get to know you, but let's also share a lot of tips and a lot of gold and a lot of helpful things for everyone that's listening so they can take something away from this. Um. So that's, that's two podcasts I'd recommend. And then as far as newsletters, it depends what you're into. If you're into the more tech side of music, you're into web free, NFTs, all of that. Uh, my friend Sherry Hu, um, her last name is H-U. She has a really good uh, community that she's built and a newsletter called Water and Music. Yes, I love Water Music. Their Discord is super insightful. Yeah, so I definitely recommend following Sherry. Um, you know, I do have a newsletter that I share on LinkedIn every two weeks where I just basically highlight recent articles that I've seen that are interesting and helpful specifically for artists. So if Amazon announced a new feature, I'll include a, two sentences about what that feature is and how an artist could use it. And then I'll link directly to Amazon's post, uh, as well. So, um, Outside of that, I follow all of the four artists' accounts on social media. So at Amazon Music for Artists on Twitter and Instagram, they post all their new features on there. That's how I found out about selling merchandise directly on artist profiles. Um, Spotify for Artists, Pandora Amp, um, 
Angami for artists, the list goes on. So following those is good. And the only time they really post is when they have a new feature that's beneficial for artists. Um, obviously, if you follow at Spotify, you'll see a lot of posts about artists that are performing, uh, creating original content with them. Whereas if you follow at Spotify for artists, it's content that's helpful for you and what you can actually do with your own music on that platform. Thank you, Mike. And I need to add <laughs> one more uh, source, which is your book. Uh, we do have hard copy of Work Hard, Playlist Hard. Uh, I'm very, imp I was amazed when I found out that the book is available in hard copy, which is super cool because sometimes it's a bit exhausting reading on the computer or on the phone. How often do you update the book, by the way? Like, because it's obviously hard copy becomes <laughs> a bit outdated, right? Eventually. <laughs> yeah. So I updated the book in August last year. Uh, so six months ago, and that was the second edition. And I right now I'm recording the audiobook. So after this, I'm actually going to do a test record at the studio and the audiobook will be available on Audible. I'm aiming to have that available June 1st, if not sooner. Um, but I know that not everyone likes to pick up a physical book and read it and people prefer an audiobook to listen to while they're walking, driving, doing other things. So um, I'm excited to have that available very soon as well. And I did update the audio. I did update my notes for the audiobook. So while I'm recording it, I will be updating it on the fly as well. So as to mention new things uh, that have obviously changed. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And I have one last question before we end up our uh, conversation for the podcast part. And we have a few actually questions from the audience. But I wanted to ask you, um, if an artist is starting now or it's, let's say, not full-time artist, uh, how to phrase my question? Is it better to focus on one platform or just throw the net and whatever catches on, in your opinion? Because there is a there is a lot there is a lot. Oh, obviously. definitely, yeah. You need to think about it as you listen to music and you have your platform that you prefer, and then I have my platform that I prefer to listen to music on. You need to make your music available everywhere that you possibly can for your fans. Um, there are going to be music streaming platforms that you've never heard of before but they could have millions of people that subscribe in that particular country or, um, or region. So make your music available everywhere. As for what it looks like to have a presence on all of these platforms, you don't have to subscribe to all of these music streaming platforms to create, uh, to create an artist profile and to update your artist biography and include some links on them. All of the four artists tools that they provide are free and you can usually log into these from wherever you are in the world. And that, that is one of the most important steps. And the reason for that is let's say you, you may never have been to Dubai, but someone in Dubai is listening to your music on Angami and they really like it and they would like to find out more about you. If you've gone into Angami for Artists, also known as an Angami Dashboard, 
and you've uploaded a photo, you've included links to where people can find you, you're going, that is enough for that person in Dubai that heard your song to say, wow, I, I really love their music. Now I can go and follow them on social media. Now I can f find out more about them by reading their biography. And that person who heard you that one time is now following you and following your journey. And eventually, hopefully you'll be able to connect with them. And if you didn't distribute your music to that platform, it would have never happened. And if you didn't go and spend a few minutes claiming your profile on that platform and adding in those extra details, that person may have never found you again. Okay. Thank you for your answer. I hope it's, uh, it's helpful to, I don't know, whoever listens to that conversation in the future. Um, I'm going to move to a few, I'll, I'll try to wrap up soon, actually, because it's been more than an hour, but I, there is a few interesting questions that I also want to find out. So the first one is, what are, what are your thoughts on the Spotify discovery mode, which is, I think, still in beta, where if I'm not mistaken, you get paid out less per stream, but Spotify uh, gives you more exposure. I think I got it right. Or you have a higher chance to be in the Discover Weekly playlist. Do you know what I, do you know what I'm talking about? Um I'm I'm not completely sure if I if I do understand the question. Um so there is this Spotify Discover mode where they sh they shared it last year for some labels in the US where if you as a label or an artist kind of agree to that uh you have a higher chance to be in the Discover Weekly, but you will get paid out less oh, because of that. Got it. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one because obviously it's a whole nother topic we won't get into um, why, how people feel about how much they get paid and to get told that you would get paid mm -hmm. even less, but you would get... Um, you know, you you would get more exposure. It, it kind of reminds me of the argument when a venue would try and book an artist and say, oh, we can't afford to pay you, but we'll pay you an exposure if you come and perform for a few hours. And it's like, cool, exposure is <laughs> oh, uh, going to yeah, pay my rent okay. check and exposure is going to, you know, I'm going to go to the grocery store and and buy bread and, and food with exposure, you know, <laughs> like, um, but I have seen some artists try it it is kind of cool that they did notice a slight increase in monthly listeners and streams. I mean, we're talking a few thousand. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So but nothing, I, I, I definitely don't. Major. I haven't heard any stories of anyone going from 500 monthly listeners to 100,000 or anything that extreme. It's more, if you have 10,000 monthly listeners, you might gain a few more. Um, you probably won't notice any real difference in what you get paid. But... You know, I mean, if you look beyond that, those 3,000 additional people that listen to your music hopefully will convert into fans and super fans and then eventually come and see you the next time you perform or buy your merch. Um, so I would look at it as a, at exposure. You know, if if it sounds terrible, but if Spotify said to me, hey, we're going to put your music in front of a lot more people and you're going to get an extra X amount of monthly listeners, but you're not really going to get any money from this. I'd still say yes, because I'm silly, but, um, okay. 
you, you know, I, I kind of look at it in that way. I go, okay, this is exposure. This is a good look. At least I'm Spotify can't punish me for my monthly listeners and followers going up because they were the ones that drove that to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so they can't mm-hmm. be suspicious of any anything else happening here, any manipulation or any gaming or anything like that because they made this happen. Yeah, I don't know much about this feature, so so thanks for for the insights. A lot of the features are sometimes locked as well, um, based on the location where you are. So sometimes in Europe we get them a bit uh, later, so to say. I'm gonna wrap up with two questions, which are kind of connected. One of them makes me feel bad because I should have asked you that in the beginning of this <laughs> conversation, <laughs> as a good interviewer, quote unquote. Uh, what is your background and how did you end up doing what you're doing today at Chartmetric? Like, what is the skill set? How did you build it? Um, yeah, honestly, I I don't have a strong education background in music or in, in anything specifically. It's just years of experience. And I basically, everything that I eventually got to do, I had to do myself first. So... I wanted to host a radio show. No one would give me an opportunity. Back in the day, I recorded my own radio show at home and started sending it to local radio stations. And eventually they went, okay, we've got a slot for this. Um, And they started programming it. And the same with gigs. I started going out and showing up at venues that I wanted to play at and getting to know the DJs there and then eventually getting to know the managers. And it got to the point where they're like, hey, you're here right now. Does that mean you're available at this time next week? And I I would be. So then I would get booked and they would give me a shot and then I would prove myself and then I would get get a gig as a result after that. Um, And over the years that's continued. You know, I... I learned everything from watching YouTube videos, asking a lot of questions and taking a lot of notes and Googling everything I wanted to learn as an independent artist that eventually I wrote the book and then the book led to speaking opportunities, which led to other things. Um, When it came to Chartmetric, I was a fanboy of Chartmetric. I, I found it on page four of Google in 2016 because I was just hungry for more information about my music as an independent artist. And I started emailing back and forth with the founder, Sung Cho. And we had a coffee and he was like, look, I really like you and I'd like to work with you at some point. I don't really have anything right now, but let's let's keep finding ways to talk. And so I started handing out promo codes to other artists with free trials. And I started doing all of these things. and. Um, eventually over time I was brought on casual, then part-time and then full-time and I just worked my way up. So, you know, it's that old advice that everyone gives, which is start doing something and then it's a lot easier for someone to then employ you to do that or to give you that next opportunity because you've basically created that yourself and started doing it. So... Um, you know, whatever it is you want to do, if you aspire to work in a specific industry, do as much of that as you can by yourself and people will start to notice and it will eventually get to the point where hopefully um, they will just say, well, you're already doing this. It's, it's a no brainer. 
let's make this official. Um, yeah, that that was kind of the long-winded one, but uh, I've been doing this over 20 years <laughs> no, and I've been putting in the work and, you know, fortunately, Chartmetric pays the bills um, so that I can eat and, <laughs> and my wife and I can um, live <laughs> in a house, which is great. And outside of that, I just use the spare time I have to give back. Um, you know, I was always grateful for everyone that was sharing all of their knowledge over the years that I love doing things like this and creating videos and articles and, you know, speaking at conferences and, and doing whatever I can to just put good, helpful information out there to artists. So, you know, I, I, I appreciate this opportunity. You know, this, this was my lunch break and I had a great time doing it. Oh man, such a nice way to finish this conversation. I'm not gonna ask my last question. I think it's like I'm actually I'm smiling if you can hear, and I'm reading a lot of positive comments in the, um, in the in the chat, and it's just so happy, man. Like thank you so much for being here. It was really, you can feel like I I follow you for a long time. I know you always share. We try to do the same, and you are one of the inspirations why we never hold back, also any knowledge. And it's super beautiful that you're doing this for, for everybody. Um, so once again, for, on the behalf of, I'm sure, everybody in the chat and myself, um, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been so nice talking to you. Thank you. I, I really do appreciate this opportunity. And I, I really love the way this is set up. I've been trying to keep up with all the comments here. And um, I will scroll through and read these after as well. And I, I appreciate all of you being here. I appreciate you, Evo, and the Stereo Fox team, and let's do this again. Yeah, oh, definitely. I have, I, I, we actually have the community mod moderators. Uh, we have a list of topics, and we had five for you. We're like, okay, let's pick up one, <laughs> and hope you agree. But the server is here. We do this every few weeks, I would say. I would love to have you back on board, and also if we can help in any way, we're always here. You can share artists uh, if you think they're worth. Um, I don't know, blogging about or something like that. So really happy to welcome you in the community with this uh, first uh, conversation. And once again, thank you. <laughs> thank you. It's been a pleasure. Okay, so that was our conversation with Mike. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. I would assume if you stayed that late in the podcast, it was fun or interesting or both. As you heard, we're going to do this again with Mike. If you have any questions for him or us, you can also join our Discord or ask us on Instagram and Twitter at we are Stereofox. And um, thanks for your time and uh, see you soon.